Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 1st of November, the year 2012, and we are in the new hamlet of Plum Village, Full Moon Meditation Hall. This is the fourth uh, and the last week of our autumn retreat. This is the eighth uh, Dhamma talk. And those of you who will be leaving tomorrow uh, are encouraged to get the CD of the eight uh, Dhamma talks of the four retreat complete, a set of eight. Uh, during this four retreat, we have learned many things. We have learned how to take care of our body, our feelings, how to uh, generate a feeling of joy, of happiness, how to go back to ourselves and embrace uh, the pain, the suffering within ourselves in order to understand the roots of that suffering. We have learned how to look at the other person in such a way that we can see the suffering in him or in her so that we can help that person transform. And we have learned how to listen with compassion to ourselves and to the other person in order to restore communication with ourselves, with the other person, and bring about reconciliation and peace. We have learned uh, the 16 exercises of mindful breathing, so that we can uh, do these things uh, successfully. We have learned also uh, about the path leading to the cessation of suffering, the path uh, that leads to, uh, to joy and happiness. And we have learned uh, about um, five mindfulness trainings. Many of us uh, have uh, received uh, the five mindfulness trainings in these four weeks. And we know that the five trainings um, are a very uh, concrete expression of the teaching of mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness. And it is based on a kind of uh, wisdom, a kind of insight called uh, right view, uh, free of all kind of uh, discrimination and separation and complex and fear and anger. Today, uh, the last uh, Dhamma talk, in the last Dhamma talk, we will have a chance to look uh, more deeply into the nature of our birth and our death. As we sit here, we can hear the rain falling. the clouds are dying so that the rain can be born. And the rain is teaching us about the nature of no birth and no death. In Plum Village, we used to say that it is difficult, even possible for a cloud to die. I know a 
painter who only paints uh, clouds very beautifully. He spent a lot of time contemplating the clouds. And he draw beautifully the cloud on the sky. Thay has his own way of uh, drawing clouds. And this is one of the ways he draw a cloud. He shows uh, show you. That is his cloud. <laughs> we recognize a cloud because the cloud has a form, an appearance. Lakshana, this uh, appearance. And without uh, a, if an appearance, a form, a sign, sign, Mark appearance, and it's difficult for us to recognize something. So a cloud also need a appearance, a sign, a mark. But sometimes the cloud is there, but we cannot recognize her. Suppose uh, we look into the, this dharma hall, we don't see any cloud. But in fact, there is a cloud. And when we are breathing in and, uh, and breathing out, we contribute to the making of that cloud. There is uh, water vapor in our, our breath. And that is uh, the substance of a cloud. In the air that we breathe, there is uh, water vapor. We breathe out uh, water vapor and we breathe in also water vapor. And uh, in the air, there's a lot of uh, water vapor. And if uh, that air comes in touch with something cold and then it appears as a cloud. It has the appearance of a cloud. But now it doesn't have the appearance of a cloud. It is invisible. It is an invisible cloud. And when something is invisible, we tend to think of it as non-existing. And that is uh, the fault of our perception. We are fooled by our perceptions. Suppose there is uh, a mountain here and the, the wind blow in this direction. The wind is the air moving. And when the air comes to the mountain, it cannot continue. It has to go up. And when it goes up to this level, it's cold. It meet, it encounters the cold. And that is why uh, it appears as a cloud. Down here, it is not visible, but up here it is visible. So let us not say that there is a cloud here and there is no cloud here. So we have to be careful. We have to learn to look at things with the eyes of signlessness. Eyes of signlessness. The eyes of marklessness. 
and a meditation practitioner should try to use her eyes of signlessness in order to look at things. Okay, when someone who is close to us just died, we don't see him or her anymore in the same appearance. And we cry. But if we have uh, the eyes of signlessness, it's different. We can see the continuation of that person in other forms. It's like uh, the rain, which is uh, a new form of the cloud. If you are, if you cry because your beloved cloud is no longer there, you are caught in a sign, a mark, an appearance. Your sorrow, your anguish, your despair is born from that kind of perception. You think that your beloved one is no longer there. But she is still there. He is still there in other forms. Like the cloud is still there in the form of the rain. So the rain is calling you, darling, darling, I am here in this direction. Don't you see me? So if you have the eyes of signlessness, you can recognize your beloved uh, cloud in the new form, in her new form, the rain. And you can be in touch right here and right now. The sorrow, the, the, the despair is there because uh, you are caught by a sign, by a mark. You are used to see your beloved one in that form. You are caught by that form. So those of us who meditate should learn how to use our eyes of signlessness. That is the eyes of wisdom. Signlessness is a form of meditation. It's called uh, the meditation on signlessness. It is one of the three doors of liberation. The first one is emptiness. The second one is signlessness. And the third one is... Um, aimlessness. So let us uh, contemplate our cloud here up in the sky. It has the form of a cloud up here. But some of the cloud, a part of the cloud, is becoming something different. This part of the cloud has become rain. The cloud is dying slowly. It takes time to die. Maybe a very small part of the cloud is become, has become the rain, but most of the clouds is still in the form of a cloud. So we say that a cloud is dying. It means a cloud is becoming rain. Not exactly dying, just becoming. In the teaching of the Buddha, uh, to be means to become. You cannot be the same thing, always. 
you are be becoming. You are becoming. Therefore, the term devenir uh, uh, has to come and to 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 take place of the term uh, être. To be means to become, because the nature of everything is changing. You are not. You are becoming. You become. Because uh, when you look at the picture, when you were a five-year-old boy, little boy, or five-year-old girl, you see that uh, you are no longer that little girl, you are no longer that little boy. You have grown to be a lady or a gentleman, are so different. So you become. Instead of uh, saying, I am, then you say, I become. So, devenir, le devenir, c'est un nom, is more, is closer to reality than the word uh, to be. You are not, you become. So, it takes time to become. And you become, you become rain. You become, uh, you become uh, cloud, and you become rain. At one point, the rain become a river. From the rain, the you become a river. So the rain is dying in order to become the river. The rain has stopped, but that does not, the rain is no longer there. If it is impossible for a cloud to die, and then it is impossible for the rain to die. The rain cannot die. The rain can only become snow, or ice, or rain. So this is a continuation. To die means to continue. To be means to become. To die means to continue. And to be born also means to continue. The rain continues the cloud. The cloud continues as rain. And the death of the cloud means the birth of the rain. So if the cloud sing happy birthday, the rain and the, and the cloud can happy death day. Because uh, it's not so sorrowful to become the rain. To be a cloud is wonderful. Floating up there is wonderful. But to become the rain is also wonderful. So happy death. It's possible if you see death only as a continuation. I am a cloud, and I will be happily becoming the rain. I'm not afraid of becoming the rain. 
I cannot die. I can only become. I become the rain. I become the snow. I become the ice. So if the rain sings happy birthday, the clouds say sing happy death day. To die can be very wonderful. Because you, you take another form, you take another sign. Maybe you get bored after some time being in that, in that uh, sign. So you want to have a new uh, refreshing uh, sign. So you become the rain. So the rain, instead of uh, singing happy birthday, she can sing happy continuation day. Because to, to, to be born is a continuation. But in our human mind, we, we think that to be born means from nothing you become something. From someone you become, from no one you become someone. But that goes uh, against the, the evidence. From nothing you cannot become something. From no one you cannot become someone. No. Do you think that this cloud has come from nothing? No, it has come from the vapor, water vapor. That is, uh, that is why the birth of a cloud is also the, the continuation of, of the cloud from something. So cloud becoming cloud, cloud becoming rain, rain becoming rain, rain becoming river. And the river coming up, up here, Give birth to vapor, water vapor. We know that uh, before, before expressing herself as a cloud, the cloud had been water vapor generated from the water in the ocean, water of the lakes and the heat generated by the sun and that is why the river, the ocean, the body and mind are like that. And when you do not see body and mind anymore, you think that body and mind are death, are dead. But that's, that is wrong because nothing can die. If a cloud can never die, your body and mind cannot die either. And this is something science has seen also. Scientists have found out that nothing can, can die. The, 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 the first uh, law on thermodynamics, conservation of matter and energy, it says that you cannot create new matter. You cannot create new energy. You cannot destroy matter. You can only con- con- convert matter into energy. You can convert one form of energy to another form of energy. You cannot destroy energy. 
the nature of matter energy is the nature of no birth and no death. So the nature of the cloud is also the nature of no birth and no death. And how can your body-mind die? If you have the eyes of signlessness, you see the continuation of your body-mind. It's the same way. We cannot say, see that there is no cloud in this Dhamma hall. There is a big cloud here. A, a, a collective... Uh, uh, cloud here, every of us contributes to make the cloud here in this hall. If, uh, if outside is very cold and then the, the air inside can become uh, visible uh, on the windows, you see. But it's not too cold outside. If it is very cold outside, we can see the cloud here is becoming uh, uh, cloud. So there is the water vapor who becomes the cloud. And there is the cloud who becomes the rain. And there is the rain that becomes the river or the ocean. And the river and ocean become water vapor again. That is samsara. Nothing is lost. Nothing is born. Nothing dies. And the practice of meditation ultimately helps us to touch the net dead nature of no birth and no death, of everything, of the cloud, of everything. Birth and death, they are notions created by our mind. They cannot be applied to reality. And science uh, has begun to see, see that. Uh, Lavoisier, Antoine Lavoisier, has said that rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. Nothing is born, nothing dies. He meditated in his own way. He looked around and he looked at energy, he looked at matter, and he discovered also the nature of no birth and no death, of matter and energy. So if we touch uh, the nature of no birth and no death in ourselves and in the other person, and then we are free from grief, sorrow, despair. Darling, I know you are still there, and I will look for you with the eyes of eyelessness. I recognize you in your new, wonderful form, appearance. But this uh, drawing of the cloud is not perfect, because it is only a closed circle. So it, is, uh, it might be caught in an idea of a self. There is a self continu- that continues always in different kind of form. But our cloud why becoming rain has accepted other clouds to come in. There is the input and the output. Because action can be collective or individual. When we set up a sangha, when we set up a practice center, 
to support the practice of a group of people. <coughs> the action taken by us is a collective action. And when the, the action is collective, and the fruit of action is also collective, because not only we profit from the Sangha, from the practice center, but many others also profit, profit from the center, from the practice center, from the Sangha. And that is why in Buddhism, the notion of action is very important. Action in the Sanskrit uh, karma. And karma is triple. Uh, thought, speech, and act. When we produce a thought, that is only karma action. That is the basic action. Suppose you produce a thought of anger, of hate, of despair. That thought begins to have an effect right away on yourself, on your body, your mind. It destroys your body, it harms your body, it harms your mind. Because uh, you are intoxicated by that thought of, of uh, anger, of fear, of despair, of hate. It's not good for your health. It's not good for the health of the world. So to produce a thought is already action. And that is why a practitioner, after having produced a thought, become aware of that thought. This is not a good thought. That is a thought that can destroy my body, my mind, and destroy the world. I don't want to produce such a thought. And that is mindfulness. I want to produce a thought in the opposite direction. I want to produce a thought of tolerance, of uh, compassion, of understanding, of forgiveness. Because such a thought will help heal my body, heal my mind, and heal the world. So with mindfulness, we can recognize our thoughts and uh, make a decision to produce thoughts in such a way that healing, nourishment, and reconciliation be possible. And that is the first aspect of our action. In order to produce such thoughts, we need to have a right view, right understanding. And uh, without right understanding, we have a lot of uh, discrimination, fear, anger, and therefore we cannot produce a thought of compassion, understanding, and love. And uh, in order to have that right view, that right understanding, 
we have to practice right mindfulness and right concentration. Right mindfulness is uh, sama smriti. Right concentration is uh, sama samadhi. And right view is sama dristi. So with the practice of mindfulness and concentration, we can gain, we can obtain right view, right understanding. And with that kind of right view, right understanding, we remove all kinds of, uh, of uh, wrong views, all kinds of discrimination. And on that base, we can easily produce uh, right thinking that can promote more understanding and compassion, that can express uh, my, my, my inside of uh, non-discrimination. And uh, after thoughts and speeches, and we have right action. If uh, we have right view, right understanding, and then everything we do with our body will be right action. It has, uh, they have the power to support, to protect, to save, to help, to rescue. And that is good for myself and good for the other person and for the world. So right view is the foundation of right thinking, right speech, and right action. And right view is gained by the practice of mindfulness and concentration. And, and signlessness is uh, a, ma- a practice of uh, samadhi. Samadhi is a practice of uh, concentration. You need mindfulness in order to make your concentration strong. And there are many practices of uh, concentration, and signlessness is just one. And silentlessness is available in every school of Buddhism. And it is one of the three doors of liberation. We are made of mind and mat and, and body. And we have already known that mind and body, they inter Without uh, mind, the body is a dead body. Without body, the mind cannot operate. So you cannot take body out of mind and mind out of body like the left and the right. You cannot take them apart. But when you do not see body and mind, don't say that you are no longer there. You are in your new manifestation. And how you know that? You don't see it, but it is still there. Because, uh, because of our action. We have produced thoughts, speech, and, and action, bodily action. And these are our continuation. It's like uh, the cloud has produced uh, rain. And the rain is the continuation of the cloud. You don't see the cloud anymore, but the cloud is still there in a new form. So if you don't see the mind-body of your beloved one, don't say that he is no longer there. You have to look for his continuation in you and around you. 
and when the rain stops, you don't say that the rain has died. No, the rain has not died. The rain is in her new form, the ocean, the rivers. And then look, look carefully, you see that the river, the ocean is coming, water, vapor, which uh, produce cloud again. But uh, uh, water vapor does not come only from this river. It may come from other rivers. It does not come only from this ocean. It, it, it comes from other oceans. So you are not in a closed circle. There's no self. There's no separate self. And if uh, we take into account uh, the input and the output, we are free from the notion of uh, cloud as a separate self. So every thought that we produce, everything that we say, every act that we have undertaken, they are our continuation. So you, even if you don't see your body mind anymore, you continue always with your action. You are your action. And there is a French uh, philosopher, contemporary uh, philosopher, French philosopher. He say exactly something like that. He say, "L'homme est la somme de ses actes." Man is the the totality of his action. Man is, is his karma. He is not body and mind. Body and mind might vanish, but his action continues always. So after the dissolution of this body and mind, you continue always with your action. Good or bad action. And you have the power to make sure that our action, our continuation will be good. Produce only good thoughts. Produce only good species. And produce only good action. And we are sure a good continuation. You cannot die. Even with the dissolution of this body, you cannot die. You continue always. Because you are your action. Look at the Buddha. He continues always. If he sit here together, that is the condition of the Buddha. If we sit together and breathe and get the calm, serenity and peace, that is the continuation of the Buddha. So the action of the Buddha continues always. And the Buddha is accessible in the here and the now. And if you are caught by the, by the sign of the Buddha 2,600 years ago, uh, you, ha- you, you lose the Buddha because uh, the nature of the Buddha is signlessness also. If you have the eyes of signlessness, you can see the Buddha in the here and the now, in yourself, very close. So, l'homme est la somme de ses actes. 
Jean Ponsatre. That's his wisdom. That is French Buddhism. <laughs> and Lavoisier, rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. Anton Laurent Lavoisier. Don't look for Buddhism elsewhere. Look right in your own culture. It is said that Buddhism is made only of non-Buddhist elements. So you can recognize non-Buddhist elements in the French culture. They say wisdom. They meditate in their own way and they found out many things that are very, very similar to Buddhism. In the Heart Sutra that we chanted this morning, it is said that nothing is born, nothing dies. In order for right thinking, right speech, and right action be possible, we need the right view. Right view is the foundation. And right view is what you earn, you gain by the practice of meditation. If you practice mindfulness and concentration, and you you will get a right view. And uh, and with right view, right thinking, right speech, right action become possible. And right view include the wisdom of no birth and no death. And you find out that birth and death are more notion than reality. And if you touch the, the, the nature of no birth, no death, and then you are free from fear and despair. So meditate on our own birth and own death. It's very important. We may think that uh, to think of our own death is not pleasant. So we refrain. We try to delay. We think that now is only life. Death will be for later, much later on. I don't want to think about it. But it is, uh, it is like, like uh, like this sheet of paper with its uh, left and right. Left and right are always together. So birth <laughs> and death, they want to be together. You cannot take birth out of death. And you cannot take death out of birth. The, the, the cloud is dying now so that the rain is possible. If the cloud does not die, how can the rain be possible? Look at our body. At this very moment, many cells are dying. Millions of them are dying at each moment. So that is happening here and now. But we are so busy, we have no time to organize their funerals. (laughs) So death is happening right here and right now. Why do you think that is for later? 
you are dying now. It's not so difficult to die now. And if you don't die now, how can other cells be born? Because in this very moment, thousands and thousands of new cells are born. So birth and death are happening right here and right now, in this very moment. And to think that death will be later on, 50 years from now, this is not correct. Birth and death, they are together, they inter-are. Without one, the other cannot be. Without the left, the right cannot be. So the cloud has to die in order for the rain to be possible. And why do we look at death as something negative? It can be very positive. It allows the rain to be born. Suppose the farmers who need uh, the rain, they look up the sky with despair. If the rain does not become, does not die, how can he cast the rain for for his uh, his field, his uh, wheat field? So birth and death are here and the now, and one need the other to be. If the five-year-old boy does not die, how a young man can be born? So we are dying every moment, and we are born in every moment. That is what the meditator, medit- practitioner of meditation sees. We are dying every moment. We are being born every moment, like that cloud. So our notion of birth and death are rather naive. Now it's only birth, life, and death will be later on. And we have learned that where there is birth, there is death. And where is death, there is birth. So if that moment, there is birth in that moment, there is also birth in that moment. You cannot take life out of death and death out of life. They inter-are. That is the teaching of inter-being. And if you are a scientist, think about that. We need mindfulness and concentration. The practice concentration like signlessness in order to get the insight of right view. So that our thinking will be right thinking, speech will be right speech, and action will be right action. And if uh, we have the right view, and then uh, we have uh, what we practice call right livelihood. You earn our life living by the means, by a kind of vocation that does not do harm to humans and nature. With uh, right view, not only we can do right thinking, right speech, right action, but we can practice right livelihood. And there is compassion, understanding in our way of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, livelihood. So we know how to live so that uh, understanding and love 
uh, are still possible. Because without understanding and love, happiness is not possible. Many of us think that happiness is made of uh, money, fame, power, sex. And so many of us run after these objects of craving. But, but we know, when we look around, we see there are those who are, have plenty of these things, but they are utterly lonely, cut off, because there is no love, no compassion. A person that has no understanding of himself and of the world cannot relate to the world, to other living beings. A person who has no compassion is utterly alone. She cannot relate to another living being. How can that person, such a person, be happy? So according to this teaching, what makes us truly happy is the amount of understanding and compassion in us. These are elements of happiness. And a good practitioner is someone who is capable of generating understanding and compassion every day. And then with the right view, we know how to practice uh, right diligence. Right diligence is a true uh, art of uh, of uh, generating happiness. And in order to practice uh, happiness, you have to get right view. In uh, Buddhism, we describe mind as having at least two layers. And uh, this layer has a storing capacity to keep, uh, to preserve our experiences, our And uh, the upper part is uh, mind consciousness. And we have uh, all the informations and uh, the energies down here that is stored by this part of uh, consciousness. Mindfulness exists here in the form of a seed. And the opposite of mindfulness also exists here, down here, as a seed. The opposite of mindfulness is forgetfulness. Concentration exists here as uh, a seed. And its opposite also has, uh, is there as uh, dispersion. So we have a seed of anger, and it has an opposite, a seed of uh, loving kindness, a seed of despair, and a seed of hope. We have many kinds of seeds down there. Everything, the seed of heaven, the seed of hell, are there in us. 
heaven and hell are not up there or down there. It is in our consciousness. It is like a television with millions of channels. If you turn hell on, and then you have hell. If you turn the channel hell, hell is here and now. And if you turn on uh, paradise, pure land, love and kindness, you have. And if you want us to come and help you turn on the pure land, we come and help you because you have all the buttons. <laughs> Up to you to choose. Hmm. So diligence is like is the practice of selective uh, watering of these seeds. You know that you have a seed of anger down here. It's good that if that seed continues to slip quietly down there. When the seed of anger accepts to slip down quietly down there, well, you are in peace. But that does not mean that the seed of anger is not in you. If you hear something, you see something. If someone comes to say or to do something that touch off the seed of anger in there, you lose your peace, you lose your happiness. And that seed come up here as a zone of energy called mental formation. Mental formation called anger. And it makes the landscape of the mind consciousness not beautiful anymore. Down here it is a seat. Up here it is a mental formation. The seat of anger, the mental formation called anger. So diligence, true diligence is uh, the, f- the, first, uh, the first practice of true diligence is to be careful not to water the negative seat in you and in the other person. Don't think, don't speak, and then do things that can touch off the negative things in you and in the other person. The negative seed, not water, the negative seed in you and in the other person, in other members of the Sangha. You tell him, darling, you know that I have these negative seeds in me, the seed of anger and jealousy, and so on. You know very well that every time you water that seed of anger and jealousy in me, I suffer. Anyway, I suffer, and if I suffer, you have to suffer also. So please refrain from watering the seed of anger and fear and jealousy in me. Help me, please, if you really care for me, if you really love me. Practice not watering the negative seed in me. And I will pledge the same thing. I would not, in my daily life, touch them by myself. And I vow not to touch these negative seeds in you. So you have to sign a peace treaty, a treaty of happiness with your partner. 
your co-practitioner. <laughs> so the first thing we, we commit with each other is not to water the negative seed in each other, in oneself and in other person. And the second practice of diligence is uh, if it happened that it has already manifest, and then do something to help it go home, go down again as quickly as possible. Not by the way of fighting, not by the way of suppressing, but by the way of uh, of uh, there are many ways. The first, the first is uh, the first way is to invite the energy of mindfulness to come up. Mindfulness is concentration. And in the mind consciousness, now there are two zones of energy. Energy of anger and the energy of mindfulness. And mindfulness is born from your practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking. And the energy of mindfulness will recognize anger as energy and embrace anger as an energy. So mindfulness is recognizing and embracing. If you are not a practitioner, you don't know how to do that. You allow only one energy to be in yourself, the energy of anger, and you are a victim of your anger. And anger will push you to do things, or to say things that will be destructive to you and to the other person. But because you are a practitioner, you don't allow the energy of anger to be alone. You invite the energy of mindfulness to come up. And mindfulness will take care of anger. Breathing in, I know anger is in me. Breathing out, I smile to my anger and embrace my anger peacefully, like a mother holding her ailing baby. And you get a relief. And that is one of the ways uh, proposed by the Buddha. And another way is to to invite uh, a seat of a pop opposite nature to come up, like a seat of uh, compassion, because compassion has the power to neutralize anger. And you do have a seat of compassion in you. You are capable of understanding suffering, recognizing suffering in you and in the other person. And if uh, you look into yourself and see the suffering in you, and understand the suffering in you, and then when you look at him or at her, you can see easily that there is suffering in him or in her. And when you see the suffering in him or in her, compassion arises. Naturally. You are angry at him because you have not seen the suffering in him or in her. So you have a seat of compassion in you. And that is the Buddha in you. Don't look for the Buddha in a Buddhist temple. Look for the Buddha in, in yourself, for you have the seat of understanding and compassion. Just take once 
a few seconds to look at the other person and to see the suffering in him or in her, and compassion arise right away. And when it arises like this, the mental formation called anger will go down here right away. It's like you change the CD when the music does not please you anymore. When the music is bad, why do you allow it to continue? You can push a button and stop it and change the CD to have better music. So you do the same. When anger is up, don't allow it to be long, to be to stay long there. Change the CD. You have many good things down there. Ask them to come up and replace. So the same thing should be practiced with your partner. When your partner is caught in a mental formation that makes her suffer, you try to help her change the CD because she has many good CDs in herself. So this is a this second step is a change, change the negative by the positive. And between partner, we have to sign a treaty in order to help each other. Darling, when you see me under uh, the domination of uh, anger, of fear, Please help me. Please help me change the CD in. Because you know that I have uh, good CDs in myself. I have the seed of compassion, understanding, answer. I have my Buddha in myself, and you have a Buddha in yourself. The third aspect of true religions is that. Uh, the practitioner know how to invite good things to be up. Invite the, the positive on. When we come to a retreat, we put ourselves in a good environment where everything we hear, we see, can touch off a good things in us. A Dhamma talk it's a kind of rain that can water the seed of understanding, compassion in us. The, the sound of the bell, the sight of a brother or a sister walking mindfully, all these things touch off the good seeds in us. So allow us to be in an environment where the good things in us can be touched and manifest on the upper level of our consciousness. So invite a wholesome mental formation to manifest. Suppose that is uh, joy, happiness, tolerance, hope, brotherhood, sisterhood. And you do that for yourself. And you do that for your beloved one. As a good practitioner, you know how to generate a feeling of joy with mindfulness. As a good practitioner, you know how to generate a feeling of happiness by touching the, the conditions of happiness 
that you have. You are, you are very lucky, much luckier than many people on earth. So touch with mindfulness these conditions of happiness. There are plenty. And be happy right here and right now. Don't wait until we go to the future in order to do so. So the art of happiness is to invite the positive uh, uh, mental formation to come up and to make the, the atmosphere, to make the scenery, to make the landscape of the mind consciousness beautiful. A happy person is a person whose mind consciousness is filled with uh, good mental formations like uh, joy, happiness, love, understanding, compassion, and so on. So let us uh, invite our partner to sign the treaty. Not only we invite the good things in us to come up, but we can help invite the good things in the other person to come up. And practitioners must have the capacity to be happy. The most important, the most precious talent is the capacity to be happy in the here and the now. And be happy and help the other person to be happy. And with the practice of diligence. And the fourth practice of, of diligence is that when the the good mental formation is up there. Keep it as long as possible. Up there. Que la joie demeure. Because if you keep your compassion alive long up here, down here at the root, it, be, it continue to grow. And if you keep your anger here for a long time, down here, your anger grows. So do not give the negative a chance, but give the positive a lot of chance in order to come up. And this is, uh, this is uh, the fourth aspect of the practice of diligence. That is why we can call the practice of diligence the practice of happiness because it can help us deal with uh, suffering, it can help us uh, handle suffering, and it it can help us uh, create happiness. So this is the Noble Eightfold Path, beginning with right view, or beginning with mindfulness. Up to you to choose. You can begin with any any element of the path. And uh, the, the five mindfulness trainings that we have received yesterday represent uh, very concretely this path of practice that can generate joy, that can transform um, suffering. And uh, Meditation, the practice of mindfulness and concentration are to bring us right view. Touching 
the nature of no birth and no death, touching the nature uh, of reality, uh, free from the notion of uh, being and non-being, well, uh, it's po- it is easy for us to produce uh, thoughts in the line of right thinking, produce speech in the line, uh, in the line of right speaking, and action in the line of uh, acting. So on, so that we can uh, produce happiness. Right view is the most uh, important uh, thing that we discover with the practice. There was a monk whose name is uh, Kachayana who asked the Buddha, Dear teacher, what does it mean, right view? You speak of, uh, of right view. What is exactly right view? And that day, the Buddha said, right view is a kind of view that transcends the, the notion of, of uh, being and non-being. And most of the wrong views are based on the notion of being and non-being. And when, the, when we remove the notion of being and non-being, we remove at the same time the notion of birth and death. This is uh, the line representing time from going from left to right. And this is uh, a point representing birth. And in our mind, in the way we think, in our wrong view, birth means from the realm of non-being, you come to the realm of being. Before B, you did not exist. And you begin to exist only on B. That is our thinking. And according to the Buddhist insight, that's wrong thinking. Because when you observe a cloud, you see that it become before being a cloud, it has been something else. The water vapor. So a cloud has not come from nothing. So our body-mind also have not come from nothing. And because we have set up point B, we have to set up the same time at point D. <coughs> and we think that we continue to be until point D. And uh, from point D, we die and we pass again into the realm of non-being. And that is uh, the thinking of many people. And many philosophers are still caught in these uh, 
to pairs of opposite being, non-being, birth and death. And even some of the scientists have found out that there is no birth and no death. That uh, uh, that, uh, but uh, still many scientists are still caught in the notion of being and non-being, birth and death. So because we believe that um, to be born is from from the realm of non-being, we pass to the realm of being. And to die means to pass from the realm of being into the realm of non-being. That is why birth and death are real, and non-being and being are real. But if uh, we we uh, we do meditation, we look into the nature of a cloud, and we see that this is not the birth of a cloud. This is only a continuation of the cloud. Before, the cloud continues as a cloud, but before that, it was something else. This is moment of continuation. And death is also a moment of continuation. You don't continue as a cloud, but you continue as the rain. So you don't die. So when you remove the pair, birth and death, you remove at the same time the pair of being and non-being. And that is right view. Uh, So, to be or not to be, that is not the question. (laughs) So, in order for our thinking, our speech, our action, our karma, to bring happiness, to transform suffering, right view is very important. And right view uh, help us remove fear, anger, discrimination. And this is uh, the, the noble eightfold path, which is the concrete practice of uh, Buddhist ethics. It is an art of transforming suffering and uh, create happiness. And since uh, suffering is impermanent, we have a chance to transform suffering into something else, happiness. And since happiness is impermanent, it will become suffering again. <laughs> but we are no longer afraid, because we know the way. We can transform suffering back into happiness. Because uh, suffering has some part to play in the making of happiness. It is by observing suffering, understanding suffering, that we can create understanding and compassion. Understanding and compassion are the elements of happiness. And if there is no suffering, how can we create understanding and happiness? So suffering has a role to play in creating happiness. And that is why running after happiness and trying to run away from suffering is not a wise uh, way. Embracing suffering, look deeply into the nature of your suffering, you create happiness. So the mud help 
the birth of the lotus flower. Without the mud, there is no lotus. So without suffering, we, we don't know how to, with what we can create happiness. So the same thing is birth, is true with birth and death, left and right, subject and object. And right view is, is the freedom of all these kind of views. Coming and going, one or many, uh, birth and death, being and non-being, subject and object, and so on. Dear friends, you are invited to attend our uh, ordination ceremony on the 5th. There will be 16 young men and women who will be ordained uh, as uh, novice monks and nuns. And four of them them have come from the United States of America. And today in our uh, formal meal, we have the the formal uh, ceremony of of, uh, invitation, of request to be ordained. So you are invited to come to the formal meal. And uh, this is the last Dhamma talk of the fall retreat. And next uh, Sunday, the Dhamma talk will be in French. And uh, uh, our French-speaking people will have a chance to ask questions about their practice, uh, about uh, their work of Sangha building, and so on. And I hope that uh, during the time uh, we spend together here, we learn many concrete things, like uh, listening to the bell, uh, chanting, uh, leading a ceremony uh, of beginning new, uh, leading a session of uh, total relaxation, we have to learn very concrete things like that, and how to make uh, uh, the Sangha a harmonious um, uh, group of people, uh, so that it can become a refuge for many people uh, around us. Today is a special day. Today is a formal meal because we have the formal request ceremony. <laughs>